We've been in the marriage series for the last few weeks. Um, we've got a really great treat next week. Pastor Steve's gonna be preaching about respect and love, okay? So you wanna make sure that you come to that, all right? Especially if you're married, bring your spouse with you, okay? And uh, it's gonna be a really, really great message. But we've been tackling issues about marriage and we're gonna do this for the next, just a couple more weeks left. Um, we, the first week we talked about creating some habits that kind of kick-started us into habits that we're gonna be now for the next three weeks. The first habit was having serious fun. Remember we just all laughed at stuff for a really long time last week? Ooh. Yeah, one of those. That was my favorite. I actually posted that on Facebook. It was so funny. Anyway, and then uh, today we're gonna be talking about having a habit of love, right in the middle of loving God first. But before I do, I want to uh, recognize our marriage coaches that have been leading small groups now for the last few weeks. Um, so JR and Andy Van Dyken, if you're here, if you can just stand real quick. There's Andy right over there. There's JR. Chris and Sheila Schauble. Chris is back there. Oh, hi, Chris. He's back there. All right. Nathan and Kelly Christensen, right over here. Okay. And then last but not least, Sam and Megan Adams, right back over here. Yeah, thank you guys. Every, every weeknight, um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, um, we have a marriage group. We have marriage groups that have been just kind of going. The marriage groups are closed now. If you want to join one, you can get on the next one, okay? But uh, they've been leading uh, groups that, that coincides with what I preach about every Sunday. It's been really, really great. I've heard nothing but good things. If you're part of a marriage group, why don't you give a hoop a holler for your marriage leaders right now? That was chunk. I'm gonna make a quick statement real quick and I want you to say yes and amen. If you agree to this, if you don't agree with it, just stay silent. Loving God empowers us to love our spouse in ways we can never love them on our own. Amen. Good. There's more over here. Is everything okay over here? Do we need? Here's another one, okay? Here, I'm gonna say it again, then we can all kind of resound with that. Loving God empowers us to love our spouse in ways we can never love them on our own. Okay, my right, Moving on. Some people may think, how is loving God a habit for marriage? I've actually had conversations about that where people may not understand why it's extremely important for us to keep Jesus centralized in our marriage. Some people may also ask, isn't having a better marriage just all about learning? Sorry, Jesus. Okay, guys, I think we're done here, guys. Everything's finished. Is having a better marriage about learning to better interact with your spouse? And my answer is yes, but that's just a part of it. So many people just want to have all these resources and tools and all these little A, Bs, and Cs, and all those are very important, and we're, and, and, and we're talking about those this month. But let me encourage you today, we need to ask the question, not what makes our marriage work, but who makes your marriage work? That's the question we need to be asking. It's not what makes your marriage work, but who makes your marriage work? Who makes your marriage work? When we learn how to live out the answer to that question, it can change everything, amen? 
So how can we make loving God a habit in our lives? Let me set up a context real quick as we get ready to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. Go there real quick if you can with me. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. I'm reading out of the NASB today. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. In this context of scripture, Jesus is teaching in the temple. He's basically at church. All right, and he's at church and he's talking to everyone that's there. Included in the crowd is scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees that are trying to trick him into uh, coming against the law or um, trying to trick him with questions and things like that. And Jesus is just so smart and he's so clever that he answers them just with scripture as well, but also with a little bit of juice on top of that. It's really interesting that when Jesus would answer a scribe or a Pharisee or someone coming against him, he would always answer the question biblically, but he would always have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to cut and pierce in between the heart of the intention of that question. And let me encourage you here this morning that there is no secrets when it comes to God. Jesus wants to cut and divide the soul and your spirit right now. As the word of God says, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So, come on, somebody. Right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, dividing asunder between joint and marrow, between soul and spirit. He wants to get down to the nitty-gritty of your heart. Because everything, like I've always said here before, everything is a heart condition and a heart issue to the Lord, everything is. You can have the acts of being a Christian, you can have the acts of, of, of a believer, you can have the acts of what you're supposed to do, but if it's not coming from in here, God wants to work in what's in here. And if your marriage is seemingly okay on the outside, but it, God doesn't have the heart of your marriage, he wants to cut between all that stuff and get right to the middle of it. Amen. So here's Jesus, he's in the temple, He's talking with these people down there. There's, there's the people of uh, just the normal people there in Jerusalem and Israel. There's, there's, there's the, the Sadducees, there's the Pharisees. They're asking all these questions. And this is where we pick it up in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. It says, one of the scribes, one of the smarty pants scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what commandments is, for, is the foremost of all? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Verse 31, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. See, loving God centralizes, it, 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 when we have God at the very pinnacle, of, we're going to talk about this here in a moment, but when you have God at the very pinnacle, when he is your everything, I think we've fallen into a trap here, especially in America, where we expect God to revolve around our needs. Where we expect God to answer us all the time. Where we expect God to, to, to give to us everything, Okay? And, and, and rightly so, I understand why we do that. My God, I apply all of your needs according to his riches and glory and all these kinds of things. But we've made God and we've turned God into a vending machine God rather than the Jesus, Lord of Lords, King of Kings in our lives. We forgot what it was like to really revolve around who Jesus is. 
You see, the Israelites learned this lesson early on. They didn't camp around a message in the sermon. They camped around the presence of God. And wherever the presence of God went, they would go. Why? Because that is exactly how it should work. Guys, listen to me. We need to circle around and rotate and revolve, whatever word you want to place in there, around the presence of Jesus. He has to be central to our lives, especially in the times and the days that we're living in, because there is a lot of stuff out there. Uh, and, and, and I wish I could sit here and tell you, oh, guys, don't worry, it's going to get all better. I don't think it is. I think it's going to get more confusing. <laughs> I think there's going to be more stuff that comes out and even stuff that looks like Christ. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, there'll be false Christs that come up, right? Now, what it says, let me, let, me, let, me, let me maybe take a spin on this and say this. The word Christ means anointed one. And there's a lot of people that are going to be roaming this earth in our news feeds, in our, in our Facebook feeds, in our Instagram reels that claim to be anointed but are not. They seem like they're saying the right things, but they have no anointing on their lives. I just wonder if that's what that phrase means, that in the last days there's going to be a lot of people who are walking around saying they know Jesus, but they really don't. And that's why it's so important, guys, that you and I tune our ears to the Lord, but really fall in love with him over and over and over again. Amen. There's that old song that used to say that. Some of you fourth quarter saints may know it. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Remember that song? I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Who's, who knows that? Come on, sing with me. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Such a great song. Why? Because it keeps Jesus in the middle. See, when we are in a relationship with God, and a loving relationship with God. He's able to guide, lead, and direct us. So here's the deal. Some people want to think that Jesus and knowing the scripture, like that's all that pertains to is just knowing your word, okay? Is having a relationship with God. Some people just think it's just the word in me, okay? While I will never discredit the Bible ever in my life, I will never say that it's not important for us to know the word but it's equally important to know the God of the word as well. We have to know Jesus in the Bible. If we don't see Jesus in here, we missed it. We can quickly become like the scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day. And this is what it means to have a loving relationship with God, the God, the word, right? But also in John chapter one, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word. It's Jesus himself. We have to have both of them together. John chapter five, verses 39 through 40 says this, you study the scripture diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. There are th these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So what does it truly mean to have a loving relationship with Jesus to revolve around him? 
See, when you truly love someone, number one, you submit to them, you yield to them. Wasn't that a great song this morning? I know that was new probably for all of us here. We make space, we make room. We've come to yield to you, right? When you truly love someone, if I truly love my wife, I will submit and I will learn to, to respect her and love her like Christ loves the church. When you truly love someone, your desire is to please them. You wanna do things that make them happy. Let me shoot this out here to you. God is always loving us, amen? His love never stops. But sometimes I think God can be unhappy with his people. You know, we, we wanna have this picture of God that he's just up in the sky going, do whatever you want, guys, it's okay. I love you, I'm happy with you. It's okay, I believe, because it's scriptural that in the word of God, that God can become unhappy with his people. He was unhappy with the Israelites. He was unhappy with, with, he got frustrated, I know, with the disciples, right? And it's when we start making our own decisions and leave God out of it, it's the reason why that sometimes we feel distant from God and God's going, come on, somebody. He's going, come on, you know better than that. His love will always chase you. His love will always chase you. But we have to understand something. He is always loving, but sometimes we make decisions that are anti-God, that are anti-Christ, where he goes, you know better than that, people. I love you. Come to this place. Come this way. God is always loving all the time. He can be unhappy with our life's choices, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love us. He's always chasing you. So let me say this this morning, if you're in a place right now where you messed up this last week, maybe you committed to do something. Maybe you committed to stop doing something and you went back and you did that one thing. I want you to know, yeah, it might've been a wrong choice, but he still loves you. He's here for you. He's here for you. See, when you truly love someone, you learn, you learn them, you learn their personalities, learn who they are. When you truly love someone, you listen to them, you honor them, you respect them. And it's no different in our relationship with God. If we simply leave it to just obeying the law of God without his heart, we might miss God. We might miss him. See, the word, this word right here, and I'm laying this a foundation because this is gonna go into our marriage here. And this is what it means to have a loving God and having a loving relationship with God first. See, the word is the construct of our lives. Amen? Who's with me? Right, it is the definition, it is the ceiling, it is the foundation, it is the four walls of our theology and our belief system. It is what guides, it is what leads, it is what directs us. The spirit of God is the thing that breathes on this life to the construct of what we're dealing with. The spirit of God breathes into this word and makes it alive in us. Makes it alive in us. It's the reason why some of us might be dealing with something and your friend at work might go, that's not a big deal, trust me. And you go, no, it is. Why? Because it's between you and God. Because the spirit of life breathed into the word and it made it real in here. So how does a loving God help us in our marriage relationships? How does loving God help us in our, in our relationships? Again, when God is the pinnacle of our marriage, when he is at the top, when he is the, the, the top of the, of, of the triangle, if you will, okay? Now, I'm not putting up a sign, okay? 
I'm not putting up no Illuminati sign. I'm just saying, just using it as an illustration, okay, everybody? I understand that, okay? When God is the pinnacle, when he is at the top, when he is the umbrella, right? When he is there, when he is at the top of our marriage, he then becomes the umbrella of blessing. We fall under the authority of his lordship. We have a clear understanding of sonship and adoption in Christ when he is the top. We come under his blessing. We come under his authority and his lordship. And we understand that we are his son or daughter in Christ. Amen? See, when we place ourselves under his blessing, we develop, we develop trust with the Father. When we come under him and under him, when he's the pinnacle in our marriage relationship, we develop trust in God. There's a lot of people who come to church who don't trust God. They don't trust him. By this thing, by this thing, by this thing, circumstance, situation, whatever the case is, all are very valid. But I want you to know that when we truly love him and we come under his blessing, we learn to trust him with our lives, with our finances, with our relationships, with our marriage, with our kids. We learn to trust him. And let me tell you, those trust issues will be tested. They will be tested. When your son wants to go to Nepal on a, on a uh, mission trip and you go, I don't know about this. Beth, I'm giving you a real life scenario here right now in our lives, right? I don't know about this. See, I just gotta step back and go, God, do I trust you or do I trust me first? It's difficult. It'll be tested, but it's okay. It's all right. Those things are okay. When we place ourselves under his authority of lordship, we will have a greater tendency of, listen to this, of leading by following his direction. When we place ourselves under, when he's the pinnacle, we place ourselves under his lordship and his authority. So that way we will have a greater tendency to follow him and listen to him and hear his whispers in our life. We will recognize Jesus in circumstances, in situations. We will see God's hand move when we, he is at the pinnacle of our lives. When we understand, when we come under him and he's the pinnacle, we also understand our sonship, which means this. We understand our identity in Christ. That I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a friend now of Christ. A lot of us still continue, and I do it too, and I had to check myself this week. A lot of us live for Jesus and live for him based out of fear, not out of sonship, not out of our identity and who he is in us. Understand this, that you're no longer a slave to where if you don't do something, he's gonna strike you down. You're no longer a slave, but you are his friend. Well, he'll come to you and he'll go, hey, I know you can do better than this. He's your friend, amen? amen. He's my Lord, but he's also my friend. So, when it comes down to loving God, when it comes down to loving Jesus and our marriage relationship, we know that the word of God constructs our life in him. We come under, when we submit to him, we come under his blessing, we come under his authority, and we come under his identity of who he is inside of us. 
These are the three things. This is the reason why it's so important for us in our relationship, in our marriage, now back to our marriages, that we say, God, you are the pinnacle between my husband and my wife. You are at the top. Why? Because now your family will come under his blessing. Your family will come under his authority and his lordship. And your family now will come under, um, will come under his sonship, his, his identity inside of you right inside of your home. That's why it's important to have a loving relationship with Jesus. That's why it's so important to have a loving relationship with God. That's why loving him first in your marriage is more important than anything else. It's more important than the practicals of marriage. It's more important than, 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 than learning how to communicate with one another, right? Because a lot of people get this point off. They wanna just learn to communicate. But let me tell you, when you centralize Jesus, all things get aligned. Why? Because Matthew chapter six, verse 33 says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. We want the, all these things first without the seeking first. But let me tell you, when we learn to align with him first and love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything within us, it will be aligned to where all the other things will come under his place and under his authority. Amen? So here's some practical ways to love God as a married couple. Right? Practical ways to love God as a married couple. Now, here are some ways where you guys can come under lordship of Jesus, the authority, and together as a couple, all right, you can, you can, you can, you can prove, you can say this is, God is our number one, okay? Number one, pray together. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's so hard for sometimes for couples to pray together, you know? And, 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 and we're afraid we're going to get judged by our spouse, well, you know, you should have prayed this way instead. <laughs> Come on, I know, I know I'm saying some true stuff here, right? It's the reason why a lot of the times that couples ha don't, don't really pray together all of the time because they're afraid of what, how they're gonna be looked at or how they're gonna be perceived. Maybe you don't know how to say something. Maybe you don't know what to do. I just thank God that it's not, it's not, it's not super important for you to know how to see the, say the these and the thous and to know this and to know that. Prayer is something you just talk to God from your heart. That's what it comes down to, right? So when you pray together, let me encourage you, don't make it weird. You, no, like this, sweetheart. Don't, don't say that. Or better yet, look, wives, if you want your husband to pray for you, stop nagging him about it. <laughs> you better pray this way. Pardon me? I don't think so, right? You better do this or else, huh? Look, don't make it weird. Let me just speak from a husband's perspective, okay? And I'm sure that my wife, if you wanna know her perspective, you can ask her, okay? There's nothing worse than somebody telling me what I should be doing all the time, it makes me wanna do it less, right? You better do this and you better do that. You better do this and you better do that. And, it's, and, and, it's, and, it, and it could be swapped the other way, right? That's why the Bible says to wash your spouse with the word, not to scrub her. <laughs> right? To, to, to together, pray together. Don't make it weird. But I will say this, coming from a husband's perspective as a man. Men, let me encourage you, take the lead. Take the lead, especially in today's culture.
We need more men to step up and lead families in church. We have to, we have to. When you think about it, there's more women that actually come, there's more wives and more spouses that come to church, right? Why is that? More, more, more wives that come to church. Why is that? Because the women want something, they want something. Let me encourage you, men, lead your home in the kingdom of God. Lead your home in the kingdom of God. It's one of the reasons, not all the reasons, but it's one of the reasons and one of the stems. We've got a culture who doesn't know who they are anymore. We don't know what's a man is a man is a woman is a woman. We want to switch into each other's genders and all these kinds of things. Why? Because I believe that as men, we have failed in the church. But let me tell you, there is redemption coming where there is a move of men who are going to stand up for the gospel of Christ. I'm not, I'm not dogging women. Listen, okay, yes, women, you could do everything a man does, kind of. I know, look, I love you, okay? But the reality is this, is that God is looking for a few good men, if you will, to say, let me stand up and let me lead my home in prayer. Let me lead my home in the kingdom. Let me show my, my kids and my family, my home, what it's like to serve at a church. To be consistent and not be flaky and faulty, not be floppy. To be a man, to say, to live by his word, to honor people, to honor, especially and respect their wives like it should be. To lead by example and not just in word only. Amen? I know that's opposite than what the culture's saying, but I don't care. Because this is the word that needs to get out, especially within our confines of our culture. So pray together. Second practical way, go to church together. Go to church together. Here's a stat that I read. Married couples who attend religious services are 30 to 50% less likely to get divorced than those who do not. The study asserts such couples are also nearly 30% less likely to be depressed over a 16-year follow-up period. We're shown to have significantly lower risk of dying also if you go to church together. That's an interesting stat, isn't it? I'm not saying you're not going to die. I'm just saying that you're less likely to early. Right? Worshiping together strengthens the bond between a married couple because it keeps the focus on Jesus rather than yourself. When you come to church together and you lead your home and you come to church together and you worship together as a couple, it strengthens your bond between each other because it keeps the focus about Jesus more than on yourself. The last one is this, serve together. Kaylin, you can come up. Serve together. When couples choose to unselfishly serve others together, they experience peace, contentment, and a deeper bond that strengthens their marriage. When they choose to serve together, that's what happens. I'm reading you a stat here from George Barna. It said this, there's a sweet intimacy that comes with working together on a service project or giving together to those in need. Couples who embrace God's call to serve others in ex- others experience and added closeness and there are special moments and memories that naturally come when you do things together so not only do you pray together not only do you come to church to worship together you also find a reason to serve together 
You find a reason to serve together, whatever that might be. I don't want to work in the nursery. That's, that's for women. No, look, men, why don't you serve together with your wife in the nursery? I promise you, it'll be super helpful, not only for us, but for you too. I'm done with kids. I'm kind of there right now too, right? Not in the sense of I don't care about kids here at church. I just go, oh, man, I just, no, look, serve together. Serve together in a way, you know? Serve together in a way. Be a greeter together. Look, even as small as being a greeter. Greeting at the front doors is the easiest thing you can do. And still people go, oh, I don't know about that, it's too hard. No, it's not. You just gotta open the door and smile. That's it. Serve together. If you're married here together, if you're married together, of course you are. If you're married here, right, I encourage you to talk to your husband or your wife and say, where are we gonna get plugged in? Where are we gonna serve? What are we gonna do? I wanna do X, Y, Z. I wanna do this. Then you guys work it out together. Serving together helps you. Participating together in ministry opportunities, whether in your church, neighborhood, community, or the world, can also help you grow in your faith as a couple. Working side by side to fulfill the Great Commission in whatever capacity deepens your spiritual intimacy like little else can. And these are all just things that I've got as I studied out what happens when you pray together? What happens when you go to church together? What happens when you serve together? Well, those, those three easy little things, pray together, worship together, and serve together, those three little things, okay, all fall under his lordship, his blessing, and his identity in you. And that's what it means to love God first in your marriage, not just in talk. Everyone can talk, but it's all about action. It's all about what you do, not what you wanna do, right? So let's just love God, love him first. Now I'm gonna end with this. I wanna encourage you this morning that you love God because you wanna love God, not because you want your spouse to love God, not because you want this other person over here to love God. Not because you're trying to get them to love God more. Not because you're trying to get them to come to church more. Not because you're trying to get them to do it. No, you do it. You do it for you, okay? Because ultimately when it's said and done, when we get to heaven, the Father's gonna ask you, not you guys. He's gonna ask you. And so it's really important that you love God because you wanna love God. And how do we love God again? Well. We submit to him. We come under his blessing. We come under his authority, his lordship. And we come under his sonship. We say, here I am, Jesus. You love God because you want to love God. It has to come from your heart. If you love God only out of deeds or even fear, we'll miss the sweet, loving, caring, forgiving Jesus that he is. And I feel like I've said this multiple times, but I'm gonna say it again so we can get it ingrained in our heart. That powerful people know that happiness is an inside job first.
if you want to be powerful, if you want to be independent and live, and live in the freedom of Christ, it's got to come from here. It can't come from someone else. Can't come from your husband, can't come from your wife, can't come from your children, can't come from anything like that. It has to come from here. And the only way it happens here is if you allow God to work here. Again, everything is a heart issue with the Lord. You can't rely on someone else to make you happy. You can't rely on somebody else to make you fulfilled. And loving God is not only the beginning, but it also is the end. Why? Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So when you love God, ma'am, when you love God, sir, when you love God, husband, wife, when you love God, just you, it can help set the direction of your home. So, loving God empowers us to love our spouse in ways we can never love them on our own. If there's anything I want you to walk away with, it's this phrase. Loving God empowers us to love our spouse in ways we can never love them on our own. When we love God, when I love God, when we love God, when our household loves God, it empowers us. It empowers us. That's why we have to revolve around Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. You are so good. And Lord, I just ask and I pray here this morning that anybody here, Lord, that needs to know you, God will know you this morning, God. And we know you today, Jesus. We would not look at the person next to us. God, we not look at our friend. God, we not look at our spouse. But Jesus, we would look to you right now. And Father, I just ask that your love would penetrate our hearts. I'm gonna ask two questions here this morning. Number one question is this. You say, Pastor, I'm here this morning. I've come for a few weeks. Maybe this is my first time. And I'm just not sure if I've truly given my life to Jesus. And today I wanna to solidify that. I wanna give my life to Jesus, either for the first time, or maybe you need to make a, make a recommitment to God, knowing that you've, that you've strayed away, that you've gone your own direction, and you're here this morning and God's calling you back. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me real quick. Will you please just pray for me? I want to know who Jesus is this morning. And I wanna come back to him. If that's you, we just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down if that's you. Anybody here this morning that says that's me? Thank you so much. I see your hand. Anybody else? Say that's me, Pastor, pray for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, let's pray for that. Real quick, one person. Let's all just say this together as I guide you. Say, Father, forgive me my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way. But today, I commit my life to you. Everything that I am, 
everything that I want to be, I give to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate the one? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second question is this. Why don't we just go ahead and stand also. Second question is this. You're here this morning and you want Jesus to be the central of your home, of your married relationship with your spouse. If you're married here this morning, I'm sorry. If you're single here this morning, this may not pertain to you. I'm just talking to married couples here this morning. If you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I want God more in my home. I want him more in my home. Can you just lift both of your hands here this morning, if that's you, and just say, I want God more in my home. Come on, just tell him right now. Say, Jesus, take center stage. Come on, just tell him, just take center stage. We want, to, we want to revolve around you, Holy Spirit. We want to revolve around you, Jesus. Everything we do, God, we want to just circle around your presence, God. Lord Jesus. God, I'm sorry, Father. We're sorry, Lord Jesus. We, we repent right now, Lord, if we have gone astray, Lord God, in our homes, Father, where we've made ourselves king. But God, this morning, Jesus, we declare that we are yours, Father. And we, 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 we put you right in the middle of our home and our lives and in our marriage, Jesus. You're in the driver's seat, Father. Just have your way, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you dismiss, I'm gonna ask Pastor Steve to come up here and close.